Elementary school teacher Jen Welby Gilbert wants her students to know that they are never too young to make a difference and that they have the ability to change the world. Since 2008, her students have done exactly that through their inspiring and service-oriented charity project, raising more than $60,000 for a variety of important causes and initiatives. Students in Jen's class learn about various aspects of community and how people work together for the common good. They discuss the importance of helping others and the impact each person, no matter how young, can have on their community. Jen takes her students through the process of how to choose a charity or mission they want to support and how to successfully raise funds. After years of implementing this program in her own classroom and with a desire to make an impact in an even larger way, Jen has gone on to create a nonprofit called The Giving Project for Children. Through this nonprofit, Jen is now sharing the curriculum she created with parents, teachers, and administrators to incorporate the study of giving and philanthropy within the classroom. On this episode of Be the Good, Jen shares with us her passion and vision for this incredible project. Let's take a listen. Hi, Jen. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm great, and I'm really happy to have you here as well. Um, Could we start by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm an only child, but I come from a huge family. My mom is one of 11, and my dad is one of 13. So that kind of made me who I am in this, you know, this large family, this community in Scranton from where I'm from. Uh, My parents, my parents are givers. They're the shirt off your back kind of people. They're just wonderful and determined and hardworking and compassionate and things, the qualities that you really begin to recognize when you become an adult and particularly a parent. Um, My family didn't have a ton of money growing up, but That was something that I never realized. Again, good parenting. And I had everything I needed and I wanted. But really what I wanted was time, obviously, with my parents. And and they sacrificed so much between jobs and everything just so that they were there with me. But they are like service people. My my mom, when I was in elementary school, actually started a program for Earth Day where every kid planted a, a plant in our local park in this rundown garden. And that was over 30 years ago, and she still takes care of that garden. She just maintains it, and she has made it beautiful, and people get married there. And that's that's her. That's what she does. That's how she gives back. And my dad, my dad, <laughs> he's so funny. Um, he, I loved playing sports. And when, after I grew out of t-ball, they didn't let girls play Little League. And so my dad worked with other parents to start a girls softball league and then a basketball league. And he he always just wanted to like get kids in the gym. So they were the kind of people that were incredibly selfless and working so hard just so that other people could benefit from that. So I, I, I grew up with that just being life. And so I feel like that really made me who I am. Um, I was also the kind of kid who wanted to do everything. I wanted to be involved in every single club and do everything that I could because I feel like even as a kid, I knew that I could learn something from everything and I could learn something from each one of those people. And I liked surrounding myself with different kinds of people. So that has never stopped. And I continue to be the person that (laughs) overextends myself like so many of the people on your show. Um, No is not in my vocabulary. And my husband just like shakes his head like, what? what are we getting into now? Um, (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. So that's kind of like who I am. And that kind of led me to the giving project. 
that really <clears throat> explains to me further very clearly how you ended up doing what you're doing today. That makes complete yeah. sense that those two people that raised you and what they were all about that, of course, you're now doing what you're doing. So tell us about that. What inspired you to create your nonprofit, The Giving Project for Children? So I'm a teacher. I have been teaching for 15 years, and I've taught first through third grade. Um, And I actually started a a before-school program for fifth graders that fosters leadership and community and service. So all of those things kind of were already in the works. I began my career in inner city, Chester City, um, outside of Philadelphia, the charter school. And then the majority of my career has been um, at a public school called Glavin Elementary out in the main line in the suburbs. So I I love elementary kids and I, I work in a very wealthy community, a very giving community, community that's constantly fundraising and helping others. And I've always been involved in that fundraising. But what I noticed at school, while there was this huge generosity from parents, there was a disconnect with the kids Uh, The parents were sending in $20 for JDRF, and the kids didn't even know what was in the envelope. So for me, it all kind of clicked when um, about 10 years ago, I was getting my master's in reading, and I read the book Three Cups of Tea by Greg Mortensen. Very quick summary. He was climbing uh, K2 in Asia, and he got injured and lost, and he was taken in and nursed back to health by this village, this small village in Pakistan called Corfi. The village where, you know, he just explained the people had nothing, but yet they were giving them him literally the shirt off his back. And before he left, he said, what can I do to help you when I go back to the U.S.? And I said, can you help us get a school for our kids? So we ended up creating this, this huge um, organization called the Central Asia Institute that is, has built hundreds of schools in Pakistan and Afghanistan which I was just very impressed by. But what I loved the most was that he created a fund called Pennies for Peace that encouraged kids to go in their own piggy banks and bring in a penny or a nickel or a quarter and wanted them to feel the connection of helping another kid just like them around the other side of the world. And that really, it really struck me because we have so many, you know, we're lucky to live in a world where people are very generous, often, but I, I think what's so important is really instilling that generosity in the kids and getting them to understand that they can make a huge impact on this world if they just give of themselves. So that's really kind of where where the project came from. Um, and I've been doing it in my class for about 10 years. The nonprofit really came out of a midlife crisis, to be honest. I had had my second son and I had wonderful husband and a healthy family. And we moved to the suburbs in a great job. And I just found myself feeling unfulfilled. And I'd always had this drive in myself to do more, but I had everything I wanted. So I didn't know what was wrong. And my husband just kept trying to get me to put it into words. And finally I said, I know this sounds silly and kind of narcissistic, but I have this feeling that I I'm supposed to do more that I'm supposed to impact the world in some greater way. And he just looked at me and said, so do it. And then I was like, Oh, but what, what do I do? And I just, I battle with myself. Do I, do I create a charity? Do I get involved in something that's already established? And finally he said, well, what about, you know, your, your charity thing? And it just, it made so much sense. That's something that I had obviously worked on for 10 years. And it is something that, I see the value in and I know that it works. 
I have the pleasure of, of living now where I work and I've been keeping in touch with all of my students and they come back and they tell me how it's impacted them. And I see that some of the kids are still involved in their organizations or they do the same organizations with their bar and bat mitzvah projects or their senior projects. And I thought to myself, this is it. This is how I create that ripple effect. You know, that one little thing that I do with these 25 kids each year continue to grow and grow and grow in a way that I could never impact the world as just myself. So the Giving Project for Children was born. <laughs> it's so cool. And I love hearing that whole side of it because I can absolutely relate to that mm -hmm. just it, it is a, a a really tough thing to struggle with when you feel this call, this pull on your heart to do more, to be more. I was very much, I am very much like you as you explained that about yourself. I was a hairstylist before I started doing the nonprofit work that I now do. And I, I felt that as a hairstylist, it was like, I have this great job. I love where I work. I love the people I work with. I have kids. I have a wonderful husband. I have, why do I still feel so unfulfilled? But I think that's why it's really important that we're talking about it on this podcast, because this is something that I, I love having a conversation about, because I think that if you and I felt that way at some point, there's many, many, many people who either have felt that way, are feeling that way now, or eventually will. And by sharing our stories, we will hopefully help spark in them the idea that it's it's a matter of finding something you're passionate about that can give you that deep fulfillment that maybe everything else in your life can't give you quite that. So I'm so happy you're here to share this with us. Uh, and I want to get more into what the Giving Project actually is. So the Giving Project for Children aims to help parents, administrators, and teachers incorporate the study of giving and philanthropy within the classroom. Since I had my son, uh, my oldest son, six years ago, I've thought a lot about this myself, about how I want to find a way to introduce my kids to the importance of giving and charity work at an early age. And that's why I'm really inspired by what your mission is. What would you say are the greatest benefits of teaching children these principles from a young age? I think that the focus of teaching anything at an early age is something that people are very aware of. You know, it's why we want to teach music and we why we want kids to get involved in sports and, and start reading at such an early age because we want them to instill that love of doing it. I also think a lot about what's usually referred to as the innocence of children, but I don't, I don't think of it necessarily that they're innocent. I think that kids are born with a blank slate and that we put our beliefs and our feelings onto them. We put our perspectives of the world onto them. Children are born as positive people. Um, it's our job to keep that positivity and that pureness it's our job to open their eyes to injustice and show them that they can make a difference and that making that difference feels good. Uh, I always tell my kids that I feel that giving is really selfish because for me, the way that I feel when I've given someone a hand up or I've given cleaned up litter or I've made someone smile, that makes me feel good. And at the end of the year, when my kids are standing up in front of their friends and their family and sharing their hard work and what they've done to help our community, I know that they feel that feeling too. And I want them to become addicted to that feeling, that that love of giving. And and I want that to stay with them and, and continue to burn inside them, like the drive that you and I have to try to make the world a better place. You know, I've done a lot of research on on giving as we, you know, I started to get into this. And 
there's what I find so interesting is that there's actual studies that talk about the health benefits of giving that improve self-esteem and self-worth, positive moods, lower depression rates, longer life expectancy, less uh, of uh, less heart disease. So, so many things other than just improving our world community and making a difference. There's actually a link to being a healthier person. So I think that that's, that's so interesting. Um, and, and just, another nice benefit of making the world a better place. Totally worth noting too, because I think that that also drives home the importance of introducing kids to this at a young age. You're giving your students what your parents gave to you. You know, it's just that opportunity, that spark, that example of, you know, this is how you can do something that affects other people. But ultimately, like you said, it makes you feel good, too. And, and can you tell us what your program actually looks like in the school setting? How are the lessons presented to the children and what steps are they encouraged to take on their own moving forward? So, as you already said, the Giving Project aims to teach kindness, service, community and giving to students around the world. So the beauty of the Giving Project for Children is that it can be implemented in a variety of ways. There's two main implementations, one that is a whole group or a whole school or a whole class implementation, and one that's an individual implementation. The group one, um, it's still, you know, done, they're, all, they're both done within the classroom, but the group one really focuses on teaching kids about community. What is community? Why are we a part of the community? What, what can, how can we impact our community? Use a lot of read-alouds, um, picture books, multimedia, um, and then provide stories of, you know, the, the stories often focus on giving, generosity, about needs that we have within our communities. Then I teach the kids about developing a mission. What do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? And then we we start researching. There's amazing websites out there that help you research the efficacy and the validity of organizations, which is really important um, and something that I've added into the program over the years. And then we choose our, our organization or the service that we're going to do, followed up by the collection and the donation. So that's kind of the, the class or the group project. And a lot of schools are already doing that. What my program can provide for you is is the lessons. You know, everything is in there. Everything is scripted. Um, there's worksheets, there's notebooks, there's papers that go home with parents to explain everything. Um, the individual project follows the same path. But when it comes to developing a mission and choosing a charity and the research, the students work individually with the help and the modeling, obviously, of the teacher. But what you get with that is the investment. You get you know, I had a kid who really wanted to do Legos. And so he focused on Legos or, you know, you get a, a, a child whose, you know, family has been affected by diabetes and they want to do JDRF. And so you really kind of get that personal connection and that investment in a way that you don't necessarily get with a whole class project. But that project requires a lot more support um, and, and parent help than the class support. So you really kind of and I often think that, like, it, it's good to get started with a class project while you get, you know, your feet wet. And then maybe the following year you can do an individual project. I, I feel that this project is really amazing because it's flexible. It can be done at any age. I have separate lesson plans for pre-K all the way up through upper elementary. And I'm working on middle school and high school, as well as mitzvah projects and high school projects. It can be done at any length of time. When I started it, it was two days, one day where we read a book and 
they collected pennies over the weekend. And then the following day, you know, the following Monday, we counted it and sent it off. And now I use it as an entire year's worth of, of lessons. And it can be done, you know, at any type of school, private, parochial. I even have a couple families that are doing it just as a family project, which is really nice. The way I think about it is that any incorporation of giving, no matter how small, has an effect. And I want to make it as easy as possible for teachers to implement giving into the classroom. And our, our classrooms are jam-packed full of curriculum and mindfulness and STEAM and maker spaces. And I want teachers to see that they can just easily slide it right in, that it fits and it works and it impacts your students and your classroom and the community as a whole. So a couple other things to note is that I know that it can be financially difficult sometimes, particularly if you you don't have a classroom library or a whole school library to take out books. So we offer grants at a really successful Giving Tuesday campaign. So we're already um, sponsoring several classrooms, implementing this in their, their classes. And we're looking for a couple more teachers that we'd happily sponsor to do it. And just a reminder that I have everything prepared for you. You know, for anyone that wants to prepare to do it, I have everything ready. And if there is something that you're missing, I will make. I just know that this is so important and I want to spread it to as many people as I can. Your passion for this is so clear. It's it's like inspiring me just as we're talking because I think it's great that you make it so accessible too. Uh, being that you come from a teacher's background, you know that you know exactly how this can and will fit into any type of teacher's classroom. So, can you give us an example of a student who has worked through your program and accomplished a goal? Of course, I'm going to give you several. Great, <laughs> do that, what you wish. Um, <laughs> So I had mentioned earlier about uh, a little boy who wanted to do Legos. Uh, this child was so passionate about Legos and engineering and building. And he wanted kids to have that same opportunity. At the time, I didn't know of any organizations that gave Legos. So it really kind of sparked something with me that I needed to find out how I could research something for him. I couldn't just say, no, you can't do Legos because I don't know of an organization. So it really forced me to kind of expand the project and find resources of ways that I could find organization that fit his needs. We ended up finding an organization that donated sets of Legos to kids in children's hospitals. And it was just a phenomenal act and so successful. And he was so happy. Another student, uh, these are all students that I really learned something about and I really changed the program. This student loved reading. And so she did a book drive. She collected books and also raised money. She ended up purchasing books for every third grader at a school in inner city Philadelphia. And it, that was amazing in itself. But her mom really wanted her to feel that connection. So we went to the school, her mom, myself, and the student, and we surprised this grade level with these books. And the look on those kids' faces, not only the students receiving the books, but the kiddo who donated them, the pride on her face, something I'll never forget. That's that helped me kind of really focus on the service piece, making sure that they got to feel that connection and feel their impact. And just like we were talking about, like that, that, that burned inside of her, that drive is still there. Another student decided that he wanted to do to work for Water 4, which is an organization that helps dig, dig wells for clean water in remote villages of Africa. This kiddo, he had the brilliant idea of recording videos 
of himself and put them on his mom's social media, videos of him drinking clean water and then holding a bottle of dirty water and posing the question, why is it okay for anyone to drink this? And he made people think, and he was gregarious and determined and ended up raising enough money himself to fund the drilling of a well in Africa. And he was a big reason for me to see that the project was bigger than I anticipated. And also that he continued the project. Um, he continues to raise money and is trying to work on his second well, which is just, it's just mind blowing to me. There was one more student that I wanted to share with you. Yeah, she, um, her mom was a breast cancer survivor. And the year before she had had like a pink lemonade stand at the beach. Um, so they said, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to do another organization. Let's, Let's make our own. Let's make a challenge and challenge our friends and family to try to have pink lemonade stands, 10 stands in 10 states. That was their goal. Um, and at first I'm like, well, that's not really the project. And I thought, you know what? This is bigger than just, you know, the rules in, in, in our little box. She ended up creating a nationwide campaign. They've been on the Today Show. And two years later, the project has raised over $60,000 for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So it's like, you know, and that is the family got incredibly involved and just really, really bought into this. And that in itself is, is its own story. But it just continued to be an example that it's that ripple effect, right? Like that is not something I could have ever done on my own. But these little ripples continue to go out in the world and make changes. And what you're doing is planting the seed. You know, it's like you said in the beginning of our conversation, like you if you make this impact on these 25 people, the ripple effect from there, you're just planting a seed in each of those 25 students. I would imagine it's probably incredibly fulfilling for you to now see what these kids have been able to do. I think I read that since 2008, your third grade class has raised over $60,000 for a variety of important causes and initiatives. Is that correct? That's correct. And that doesn't count the child who raised the 60 grand herself because that a lot of that came after me. So after my grade, so I don't count it, but yes, it's, it's been, but that's amazing. I mean, how proud that must make you feel to know that you're making that kind of impact. It's, it's really incredible. Um, it, you know, it, it makes me feel so good and it just makes me want to do more. Um, and I think that, you know, those numbers are, are astounding, but I think that there have been so many projects, like I had a, a student collect baseball equipment for um, a town that was ravaged by like hurricanes and lost all of their things. So, like there's so much more than just money involved. Um, and I think that, that sometimes, you know, the numbers are important, but again, like you said, those seeds, if, if they continue to go out and they continue to give and we're just making the world a better place, hopefully. Absolutely. And I wanted to know your take on, you know, what you would say is the importance of teaching our children to connect with and understand empathy within themselves and to use that as a tool to help others. I thought a lot about this. So there's kind of like my mom perspective and my teacher perspective. So uh, being a mom of two young boys, we talk about feelings a lot. Um, and we've been talking about empathy a lot in our house. And the way I explain it to Brendan, my oldest, is that sympathy, we talk a lot about sympathy versus empathy, because he read both words in books. And he's like, well, are they the same? I said, well, no. Sympathy is feeling a certain way for someone. Oh, those poor people, I feel so bad for them. But empathy, on the other hand, is, is sympathy with the addition of how can I help? What can I do to help make people feel better, right? Because it's our job as parents to teach young kids, explain it in a way that they can understand. 
So I'm kind of going to go back to the classroom with that thought. Like empathy is seeing that kid on the playground and not just feeling sorry that he's sitting by himself, but going and sitting next to him and listening or inviting them to play. There's there's your empathy component. Within the classroom, empathy is integral. It helps kids to build a sense of security and stronger relationships with both peers and educators, which puts them in the position to learn. If kids don't feel safe and aren't empathetic with each other, it's, you don't have a classroom community. It encourages, it encourages tolerance and acceptance of others. And not surprisingly, research has linked empathy with a willingness to help others and make the world a better place. At first, I loved that Pennies for Peace campaign that we talked about earlier. I thought it was so wonderful because it really connected my students in the class with kids around the world. It was so easy for them to put themselves in those kids' shoes. And it it led to a larger conversation of, well, if you were in that class, how would you feel? What would you want? And that's really kind of where this project was born out of. You know, at first it was getting kids to give of themselves, and then it was getting them to understand why we give. And that to me is empathy. That to me is, is why you're doing what you're doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and it's so important to, again, I, I don't want to overuse the, the analogy of planting the seed, but to plant the seed of empathy in a child at a young age, I feel like is invaluable to our society as a whole. Right. Because then then we're growing empathetic adults. We're growing them into empathetic adults. And um, what I'm wondering, what are your goals going forward for your program? I, lo- I love this program and I know that it works and I know that it's making the world a better place. One project, one kid at a time. And as we've said over and over, I have always yearned to make this world a better place and make make a true difference. And I believe that this project can do that. So. I knew if I created this all-inclusive program that had resources that people would be more willing to do it. So my goal is to just reach as many kids as possible. Um, We have been very lucky. You know, we are in the infancy in our campaign here. We are in the infancy of the organization. And so I've been very lucky that the program is growing. And and there are several teachers um, in our area around here and in other areas of the country that have have started implementing it. And I'm working with a school and how to, um, that already does a tremendous amount of fundraising, but how to get the kids to feel that community piece, that empathy component, um, and how to build a curriculum for them. So my goals, that's been a big question, right? What are your goals? My goal is just to make it as to see what this can be, you know, to, to get it to be as big as it can and help as many people as I can and, and hope that it just continues to grow. It's awesome. So I am happy. I'm really happy to shed light on what you're doing because I think that projects like yours, in order to fuel your goals, you need people to know what you're doing and you need people to fully understand what it is that you're trying to do. So I think this has been a great conversation about that. And I'm really hopeful that my listeners will, um, especially those who are teachers or who are in the education field, uh, will take note of what you're doing. So on this podcast, the main theme I like to discuss is compassion. And, uh, you know, I think we, we definitely talked about that with the empathy piece and also about following your passion to do good and to help others, which we've also touched on. But I'm wondering if you could tell us your perspective 
on the importance of following that passion to do your best to do good whenever and however you can. Yeah, I think passion, I think passion's a tricky word, actually. I think that sometimes people decide not to get involved in things because they think they're not passionate about it. And I, I think that they use passion as an excuse to not do some things. Um, I have a friend who's a professor in college and she said that she was giving out like stories and things and, and the kids would be like, well, I'm not passionate about that. And she was like, but you don't know, like you, what, if, what if you find your passion in it? So I am a firm believer that you should never use passion as an excuse to not do something, but passion should be your driving force going forward. I think that if I hadn't opened myself up to all those clubs in high school and I hadn't worked all the jobs that I had and I hadn't gone to school that I did. And if I didn't fail the times that I did, then I wouldn't be where I am and realize that, you know, my passion is bigger than I thought. You know, my passion isn't just teaching children, which is what I thought it was. You know, my passion is making the world a better place. It's, you know, and I, I feel like explaining to people that passion isn't just one single road, you know, that it loops and it turns and, and you may find that you're crossing your own path that you've already been on before. And, and oftentimes it doesn't make sense until you're there. I know that's kind of a roundabout answer. But- no, I actually love that you gave that exact answer because as you were saying it, I'm thinking to myself, well, I've been asking people like, how important is it that you find something that you're passionate about and follow it? But what you just opened my eyes to is the the idea that we should also be talking about the fact that it's not always just one thing, you know, that you're, you can be passionate about many things. And as you're going on that path that twists and turns and sometimes takes you in complete opposite directions than you thought you were going to go, you're going to discover things along the way. You know, it's so much of that came out of, I, you know, when I was trying to turn this into an organization, I sat down with tons of former parents that have gone through this program with me and former students and kind of asked them their perspective and what did they like and where did they see this? And a lot of them gave me ideas that I hadn't necessarily thought about and, and, and helped me shed light on this. You know, I thought this was going to be this one small thing and they really opened my mind to where this could go or a different direction that it could be. Um, so I think really thinking about passion is like an open, an open thing rather than a really closed um, one solitary thing is really, really important. Absolutely. And I really couldn't agree with you more. On last season, we spoke a lot about compassion. I spoke a lot about compassion with my, each guest. Um, and this season, I'm talking a little bit more about the word community. So I'm wondering if you could tell me how important it is that we cultivate a greater sense of community. Absolutely. I had mentioned earlier that I'm working with a school that to help develop their own kind of giving project. They are already a school that is doing a tremendous amount for their community. But what they've realized is that they're missing is teaching the kids why. Um, They recognize that they're missing that component. And if we're just, you know, they're not instilling that seed as we talk, you know, we keep going back to that analogy. And the study of community and, and knowing that is the why, that we are one people, that you know, my grandmother always said, give a hand up, not a hand out. That that's so important that we continue to raise each other up. And when we do that, we become, you know, we become greater individually. We become greater as a whole, as a community, as a society. And we provide that moment of, of lift when we make the world a better place. And we can experience that lift within ourselves as well. I can't thank you enough for just sharing everything that you did. I just think it's so 
clear what your passion is and it's so clear that you care about making a difference and that obviously is being instilled in your students uh, with through this program and it's going to continue to grow and be shared and and this heartfelt mission is going to touch a lot of lives so thank you so much for sharing and I will be sure to share all of the information of how everybody can follow along. Could you tell us, would, would it be best to go to your website? Yep, go to thegivingprojectforchildren.org, and you can get all the information on what the project is, where we came from, how to get involved, um, or if you're interested in donating and sponsoring. Um, all of those things are available as well. Or if you just want more information or to keep in touch, that would be great too. And I, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for what you're doing I feel like we live, we're living in a really interesting time, a really like tumultuous time that I, I firmly believe that history is going to look back on. We're very divided and things are, are very, there's a lot of anger and, and people are not, <laughs> we're lacking that empathy and compassion that you're talking so much about. And I feel like you taking the time to shine a light on so many different people doing so many good things. I was so inspired listening to your first season, um, it's so great to hear of all the people do, giving of themselves, you know, to, to make the world a better place in whatever way that is and however, whatever path led them to where they are um, and in ways that I, I could never imagine. So I'm, I'm so grateful, so grateful for all that you're doing to make this world a better place. Thank you so much for saying that. I can't tell you how much that means to me yeah. because it, I learn so much in every conversation and it's ex. I think that was a part of it that I didn't even realize I was any of us were going to get out of it necessarily. I just wanted to shed light on these great things and these people that were doing good stuff um, so that we'd be reminded that there's so much more of that going on than, than we on a daily basis understand, you know, we, yeah. we're not focusing on it as much, but it's there. It's there in so many ways. And so I really thank you for saying that. And I've learned so much from just having these conversations with people like yourself and just learning about what makes you tick and why this drives you. And then to see the impact that it's making because of that is an inspiration to all of us who are listening. I think too, what it is, is like, as you see this, you you do sometimes feel alone. Like there's, are these moments where like life gets in the way and you kind of get derailed and and especially being in the infancy of what we're doing, there's times where you're like, is this going to work? Are people going to buy in? And then you hear the struggles and the failures of other people and, and the success. And you hear that there are more people like you than you realize, like we, we said earlier. And it just inspires me to keep pushing forward and hope that we can do everything that we can do within our power to just make the world a better place. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I, I could talk for like another two hours, I think, about this because <laughs> it's just like when you connect on that, understand, you said it earlier and it just really resonated with me, the fact that you had everything, but were still like deeply longing for something to fulfill you. I think yeah. that there are way more people that feel like that than not, right? Mm -hmm. And it's almost embarrassed. Like I felt, I don't now looking back, I don't know why I felt so embarrassed to even say it to like my husband or my parents. Um, it made me feel like ungrateful almost like well, you have every, what could you possibly want more? And you know, when you figure out what that is, it's like, Oh, I feel complete finally. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing. I think um, it's because we're conditioned to 
think that you're like on this level of achievement. Like, you know, you got the job out of college, you got married, you had your kids, you have your nice home in the suburbs. You have, you know, these are, you check these things off your list. You should be happy. But I think that's why these conversations are so important is for us to voice those things and say like, (laughs) okay, yes, I have all of those things, but I'm still not happy. And why? Uh, I think the Mm -hmm. problem is that we're not talking about it. You know, you feel ashamed because Mm -hmm. no one's talking about it, you know, and there are more people, like I said, than not that feel like they're something's missing or they just don't feel fulfilled in the way that they hope to. And that's what I'm hoping these conversations and shedding light on each individual story will inspire people to understand that uh, it's not going to be found in that next big purchase or that it's not going to be found in all of those things that you things that you thought would bring you joy. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. If you enjoyed this episode of the Be The Good podcast, Please like, comment, and share. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts or your favorite Google Play app. And be sure to follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration at b.thegood. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember that we can all find our own way to be the good. Mm